there, all you cool cats and kittens. Welcome back to the Smoke Shed Studio for the seventh episode of the Cigar Social Podcast. My name is Matt. Across from me, a man who is smart, clever, witty, and, well, I can go on and on, but I'm having a hard time reading his handwriting. Ken, how's it hanging? Oh, you were talking about me. Oh, okay. It's going great. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing good. Yeah? Doing good, yeah. It's been a good week. Yeah? Yeah. It's been a pretty good week for me, too. I mean, the weeks are going by so fast, and I just can't get over how hot it is. You know, it's so funny how we bitch about the cold, and then yeah. when it gets hot out, we're, we're like, oh, it's so hot out, we wish it was cold. Yeah, there's always... Well, there is. Now there's more merit, too. There's Everyone's two, the two Goldilocks seasons. of weather around here, right? It's like, never too hot, too cold. Nothing's ever just right. And I hate it, because I think it's me, a sign of me getting older, because I bring up the weather. Hey, how about that weather today? You know, I'm like... That's like what you're one of those guys. I, I turned into that. Yeah, you know, and I, this heat, huh? Yeah, yeah. no burner today, huh? A little windy today. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> enough about us and weather. Uh, let's do a little show and tell. Right. So every episode, we alternate who brings the bottle, who brings the cigars. We start with the stogies. In our last episode, we had Eric Bay. The owner of Black Starline Cigars here in the shed, and it was a great show. Sure was. On that episode, Ken brought the phenomenal Dark Warwitch, which was uh, which was awesome. I mm-hmm. I was a huge fan of that. Um, but now it's my turn to bring this bring the sticks. Uh, Ken, since we had a full bodied, full strength flavor bomb last week, I decided to dial it down and go completely the other direction. Okay. Uh, so today I brought the Archetype Dream State. Uh, this is a medium body, medium or mild body, mild strength, Churchill size, seven by forty-eight. It's from the Dominican Republic. Got Dominican Connecticut shade wrapper, Dominican San Vincent binder, and an undisclosed filler blend. I can't find any information on it. It's, oh, really? But I did okay. find out that it is a multinational from multiple country type of blend. Not really sure. Uh, it was rolled at the famed Davidoff facility in Santiago, Dominican Republic, MSRP around eleven ninety nine. obviously up and down, depending on who you get it from, uh, released in August 2016, and it had gotten a cigar aficionado rating of 89. Oh, okay. Um, said to have a balance of citrus, vanilla, and white pepper. And I feel like I get a little bit on the vanilla on and on the, the cold draw right now before we light up. At least that's what I'm getting. Well, yeah, as you suggested, I do taste it. You know, I do the cold. cold yeah. Before. And I, I wanted to bring up something fun here. With the Churchill size, I think we have a perfect candidate for a little bit of a long ash competition today. What do you think? I'm in. Cool. So, listener, Ken and I are going to smoke these, and we'll, we'll try not to ash and see who can hold up the longest ash before it falls in our lap and ultimately becoming an ash hole. Okay. Uh, so what's what, the buy-in? A dollar? Ooh. Yeah. Let's okay. do it. All right. It's on the table. There we go. Uh, a crypto dollar. Crypto Cryptocurrency. Dollar. All right. Well, then I'll pay you in gum, too. Oh. <laughs> uh, what do you got for the bottle? Okay. We light this up. Yeah, let's torch these. Let me do that first. Let's torch it. Toast. And smoke. A little warm here in a shed today. Mmm. 
definitely completely different than than last week. Getting that pepper immediately. Citrus, yeah, not yeah. so much. Yep, I do taste pepper. Vanilla on a binder makes sense. Pepper on a finish. Again, we're not professionals in any way. I feel like... Uh, well, you're a professional dancer. Professional dancer on Saturday nights only. Between 10 and 2, I'll be on the center stage. Yeah, that's why we have to... Do our podcast so you can get on the stage. Um, no, certainly this. Now, what did you say was the strength on this? Mild, mild. So okay, mild it, body. No question. Mild yeah, yeah. Uh, strength. Yeah. yeah. So it is. We are. Uh... And I, one thing we I, I said before we started. They, they're it's heavy. Like it physically feels heavy in your hand. Almost. Yeah, it feels like wa- it, weighted. Weighted. I mean, is it because it's longer? I mean, is it? I but no, it's a great. Hey. Uh, no, well, I've, I've had the Churchills before, like a 7x50s, and this is a 7x48, so it's actually a smaller ring gauge than what I've had previously, uh, recently, but yeah, it just has a little bit of weight to it. Really weird for me. It's burning nicely, you know? Yeah. So as I look at it. Yeah, this is probably the most mild we've had, and I really enjoyable. It's really funny. I, I, Dominican Republic are not really known for being the best manufacturer of cigars. They're, they're good, by, by all means. I mean, Nicaragua, I feel, is up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DR has the Opus X that comes out of there and maybe a handful of other, like, staple sticks that are in the industry. But for the most part, the, ever since Embargo, uh, they other countries have been able to dial in and fine-tune their operations a lot quicker, like a Honduras or sure. even um, like an Ecuadorian. Uh, but Nicaragua, for sure, being like the Mecca. DR, you'll get a hit or miss, but Davidoff, like I mentioned, has yeah. a factory down there. So you can only imagine the quality that Davidoff holds their standards to in their factory. Yeah, for sure. Um, because, because you had mentioned earlier, we often, might be off mic or before we we're talking about how there was that the the growers and the producers left Cuba, you know, and the big issue too is doing a little research on it because of the embargo. Basically, there was no work. I mean, the United States was not one of the, you know their biggest you yeah. know buyer, and then they jumped over to Honduras, said and Nicaragua, and they flourished there. But and that's why you have so many good cigars coming out of there. But this is mild. You know, it's like perfect for today too. The way the heat is, I think something that was like if something was medium or, you know, heavier, I think it would be less enjoyable. This is perfect for today. I would definitely smoke this at like a coffee shop or a, a really good espresso mm-hmm. uh, mor- morning cigar. It's a C for sure. Uh, this thing is it would be perfect for something oh, yeah, like nice that. Nice light taste and it nice light cigar with a nice bold coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. What are we drinking? Okay. I'm thirsty. We went to the Far East. Okay. All right. All right. I already got your interest peaked. So, you know, we've been doing quite a bit here, traveling through, and I'm like, you know, let's go off the rails a little bit. So, what I brought today was is the Hadazaki Small Batch, uh, considered 
Now, this is a Japanese product, a Japanese whiskey. And I've had other ones, but I haven't had this one. And let me go ahead and get a couple stats for you here. I'm intrigued. You are. It's definitely different than yeah. what we've had previously. We've had scotch. We've had yes. bourbon. Yes. So. Uh, had single malt. This is a small batch whiskey from Japan. Japan. Yep. Yeah. Uh, mm. Kashi City. And it is considered, it's called the finest Japanese whiskey. And I am the distillery. Now, what I'm going to do is this. Instead of botching the name, and I'm going to botch the name probably anyway, but what I'm going to do is give you a translation that I got off of the uh, internet here, the best way to pronounce the distillery in the city. Akashi Kaikyo. Thank you. So, that's the distillery. Uh, it is, like I said, I don't want to butcher the name, but it's a distillery that uh, clearly is in Japan. Let me give you a few more stats on here. Uh, with that. So we're talking like product of Japan, as mentioned. It is, when you look at it, I mean, you, you're looking at the eye test here. It's one yes. of our more clear. Much lighter yeah, hue. Very light. I mean, it almost looks, you know, if you don't. Almost clear. Like, yeah, almost yeah. like, uh, is it like sake mm-hmm, traditionally mm-hmm. clear? Yep. And that's, yeah, that's the uh, rice wine. Let's uh, clink some glasses. Let's try it out. Good smell off the good yeah. nose. Yeah, I'm feeling, I mean, get that alcohol through the nostrils there. Nothing nothing overbearing. No. Very smooth. It is. I mean, there's a light agitation from the alcohol, but it's, what are the flavors we're looking at here? I had to go back in it. And... Wow, I'm going to say that this is probably really, I'm, I'm looking at the, the cigar in my hand and the whiskey in my other hand, and these two they do are identical almost in, in the flavors. You're getting, a, I feel, a little bit of vanilla, uh-huh. a little bit of pepper on the finish when it comes to the sip. How was the, uh, the finish for you with this? Uh, m- minimal burn. It is. It's a, it's a warming, but the way warming. I can describe it, so it's at the back of your throat, and if you could picture it like a dripping down, it's like it coats the back of the throat in a warming fashion. It's still, mm. still feel warm all the way down, which is different. I mean, yeah. normally the ones I've had, it's like maybe I felt it here or whatever, but it still is warming. It I mean, doesn't. It's not a hit and run like the the couple of uh, like a couple of episodes ago. We had something that like it was really good up front, and then boom, it was gone. This is almost the opposite. Do I want where... to say honey? Like a like a kind yeah. of a honey type of deal? Yeah. Okay. I would, I would say honey. Yeah. Good okay. call. Mm-hmm. And it's a, the opposite. It almost is absent up front a little bit, except yes. for the nose. Yes. And then it hits you on the way out. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does make sense because it, from the nose, you just you don't really get the sense, the aroma too much. Obviously, on the palate, you know, you're clearly going to get that. And then, as it is, you know, as it's going to the back or the finish, definitely like a hunt. Well, let's see what they have as far as, you know, experts out there who know a thing or two about this. So, basically, I got some general comments on it. So, the aroma is underripe apricot, basil, and oatmeal cookie. Okay. 
If we can, can we associate? Can we mm. to that? Okay. Oatmeal cookies. Ah, oh, the flavor. I can, I can see that. Guess what the flavor is, the first thing they say. Honey. Honey butter biscuit. Bang. That was okay. a bullseye. Okay. All right. And the only reason I felt that way is because the way it felt like, you know, like honey was dripping you know, at the back of the throat. Uh, green tea, pressed flowers, toffee, and dark chocolate. Yeah. Uh, you were correct on the, the smoothness. Warming. 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 Mm. Enjoying cocktails. And they, talk, they give you a variety of cocktails you can actually put it into. Uh, basically, whiskey and soda or an old-fashioned for Manhattan. Uh, you've got yourself here a, doing the correct math, we've got ourselves a 92 proof. It's, what is it? Uh, 47%, I think you said. Yeah, I think here. I mean, it is in that wheelhouse. It is. Yeah, it is 46%. 46. 46% alcohol by volume. So we once got a ninety proof. So yes, I, uh, I I'm not gonna lie. I was a little bit tentative with this. I'm like, well, this is the thing is, I if I know anything about you, I know that you like to dabble into the Japanese whiskey world yes. here and there. Um, I mean, I've had the Hibiki Harmony, that blend, yes, uh, fantastic blends. And I've done some reading up. Like I've never had this this uh, small batch. My understanding. In the little bit of reading, I think there were only 20 barrels of something like this was produced. 20 barrels? I think it was. Wow. I mean, that does, that's not a lot. I mean, when I say it, it doesn't... That's a small batch. Small yeah, batch. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said in the last episode, there's really no definition on what a small mm-hmm. batch is. True. Because you can use 200 barrels, but if, if your regular production is, you know, 700 barrels, that 200 barrel is a small batch. Clearly, yeah. Will it was a 12 barrel... This is, I mean, yeah, so I would consider that, I mean, I feel like anything under 50 or so is like small, small, like a yeah. micro batch, if you would, considering there's small batches out there that say small batch that are 200 barrels or so, and you're like, okay. So, you know, I was reading something interesting, in my, well, you'll be interested too. You know, when they're talking about these expensive whiskeys and the ones that, you know, the limited editions, and you know, there's... So many of them out there that have been produced over the years. You know, we're talking 60s, and you know, they're sitting. And you come to find out, it only makes sense that as the stock of this starts to dwindle and go away, you know, yeah. less and less, and clearly the price is accelerated. So it's time when you start to see the uptick on these, when these things start to get more expensive, like, okay, the, the supply must be dwindling. You know, when you're talking like your higher end stuff. I do believe uh, in this particular case here, this, this particular Hadasaki small batch, um, I believe it could be aged up to 12 years. I think this is a five to six year one in particular. With the lighter hue, I would only assume. Would, yes. With yeah. the eye test that it's been, you know, it wasn't aged that long. But then again, we don't know what type of barrels exactly. they aged them in. Yeah, exactly. They could have been used barrels, which have already essentially been leached. Mm-hmm. And so you're not going to yeah. get that golden brown coloring. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting to see that because you would assume, you know, I see these ones like the white dogs, the ones that come out, and uh, and then you have them in the barrel for a little bit, and you just a little bit of the color is on there. You can see it's lighter. Yeah. But, yeah, if, if I didn't know what this was, let's say we didn't see it out of the bottle, we just saw it in the glass. You know, I would. I would say 
like yeah like almost like a, a green tea yeah right? it, it has, you're right you're right it, it actually, has that green tea look to it good call because if it was in a glass like that it's exactly look like a, like a ginseng tea right you know yep but it doesn't taste like one mm. no and mm. real quick i i would say that it i've noticed that it has it's almost like an afterburner because you put it down you start talking and i'm like oh there it is again like it, it revisits it comes back Without having another sip. Without having another sip, yeah. yeah. Which is... It's like, oh, there it is again. Is that indicative of honey? You know how it... Yeah. Thickness it coats. I guess it would be coating the back and, or palate. That, it, you're right about that, because that's one of the things I note that's different from what we've had in our other bourbons or whiskeys and clearly our scotches. So, it's funny how we can go ahead and note the clear difference in the taste. I mean, obviously, from the eye test, we see what it is. Yeah. Uh... Gosh, I mean, this is probably one of the more interesting. I mean, I think we're a lot more quiet because both of us can seem to be like staring off and looking and trying to make these. I must have to. I don't know comments about. I don't know what kind of comments I have for. I'm trying to yeah sort through it. I guess because I'm I'm more bourbon whiskey. Mm-hmm. You're you kind of move the needle a little bit towards Japanese whiskey and Scotch and yeah. You, you're you're on so and I'll come back to. I mean, Irish whiskey is you know. Yeah, I keep going back to that. You know, the one I know, and I. So I mean, I know we talked about it a couple of times, but like you said, the bourbon and Irish whiskey for sure would be something that definitely I would gravitate toward. Your ash is kicking ash. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I would say about an inch in already. Yeah, and I'm only about a half inch. So I'm going to set it down. I'm going to enjoy some of this Japanese whiskey real quick, and I uh, will go uh, while you start burning that down. Ooh. Folks, if you haven't yet already, don't forget to sign up for the 11th annual Knicker Open Golf Event at Medina Country Club on June 6th. This is a charity fundraiser golf event that benefits the Folds of Honor Foundation. For more details and to sign up, go to the knickeropencharities.com. That's knickeropencharities.com. And when you sign up, be sure to use the promo code CIGARSOCIAL for a little special something as a thank you. Well put, thank you. And once again, great cause. We can never do enough for our veterans at all. So. And it's really funny because we're on this thing about trying to pinpoint flavors and something that's kind of been, to quote uh, Peter Griffin, grinding my gears a bit, <laughs> is that um, it's reviews that go completely ridiculous. Uh, I've been watching and reading reviews on both cigars and whiskey that mention completely off-the-wall and obscure flavor descriptions. Um, this has been haunting the house of horrors between my ears, but has been recently been nudged by a bottle that we had recently uh, that mentioned bubblegum. As a flavor note, yes? The card who? Bubblegum. Folks, if you're in the market for a bottle of whiskey or scotch and you read that the review... Uh, of the the whiskey has a note of bubblegum as a flavor point. Put it down slowly, walk away, go grab a White Claw. I do... Yeah, you. <laughs> you know, not, but to, to, to counter that, I would like to maybe put my two cents in and try to keep it simple and uh, for the regular Joe and Joannes out there like me and Ken who are not able to identify ridiculous flavors like organic cucumber seed or baby truffle pig bacon or northern ireland goat buttermilk pancakes or even a 
stick of bubblegum from a pack of 1990 Topps baseball cards, I would like to say to start from the basics, go, and then potentially nudge further, step further. Uh, I have eight foundation flavors that I go with. Uh, these eight could be picked up commonly on both cigars and whiskey and are, are for the most part, easily identifiable. Um, these can make you sound like a snob or a veteran smoker and drinker. Just something to keep in your tool bag. Uh, first one I have, coffee. Okay. Coffee is something that you kind of get on both, and all of these can kind of be used for both. Uh, that's a, like an espresso, a dark roast, a, you know. You know. Uh, second one, nuts. There's times where I'll pick up like a cashew or a pistachio or something like that, but if, even if you just go with a, hmm, this has a nutty flavor, good enough. You don't have to go into this weird nutty plant from South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, spices, black pepper, red pepper, white pepper, pepper is essentially. Uh, leather, that's self-explanatory. You wear it a lot, so. Yeah, yeah. My, my chaps. Yeah, and your vest. Uh, wood, I've gone as far as tasting cedar, oak. Sometimes uh, you can get uh, other wood flavors, but. Definitely, the. I mean, the oak, it, it, across the board, too, because you're yeah. actually, you're getting the cedar. Cedar from cigars. Cigars, you know, oakiness from a cigar. Yeah. I mean, especially if you have the humidor with the Spanish cedar. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the variety of different oak tastes. Uh, yeah, across the board. The cigars probably, are yeah. in cedar, essentially, from conception. As yep. soon as they're rolled, they, they're in curing barns, and they're in uh, aging rooms, mm-hmm. and you know, just surrounded by cedar from, from birth. Um, sweet. You can say sweet. You can say chocolate, maple, caramel. You can, you know, but if you keep it simple, that's fine. And then the other two are just cream and fruit. You can go, as you can continue, you could maybe dial in a more distinct description on uh, maybe a step further. But just one thing I would please ask, don't be ridiculous. Don't, don't just, it's it's really annoying, to be honest with you. Because then when you read a review and then you take a sip of something, you're like, Hmm. I taste wood, but I don't taste the, you know, 12 aged mahogany, you well, know, I mean, whatever, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And, and you're the, like, that's, come on. And stop. that's why I always use that term. I always see that witness tampering or basically the suggestion. It's better the witness suggestion. You know, basically three people saw an event and you separate the witnesses because you do not want them hearing what the other one's saying because they are trying to go ahead and, you know, relay what they saw through their own filter, saw or heard or whatever, you don't want, hey, yeah, I saw that too. And in reality, you know, they didn't see everything and they're trying to fill the blanks. So that's like what we try to do is taste it. Now, I do agree with looking at others who have tasted this because I could say my novice ability to go ahead and discern what these tastes are, I'm looking for an association. Yes. I'm tasting something. It, but there's no way in the world it's going to jump out and taste like bubblegum, okay? I mean, it, the, the hint, the hue, and maybe you can, like, for best correlate it? I mean, come to, I guess you, I mean, compare, but, I mean, that right there, we're trying to actually put it to words, and that's why I see the, the variety, like you said, a variety of different um, things that come up. Now, once again, not everybody's palate's the same. Yeah. And all those things you mentioned. Uh, well, most of them for the most part. You're talking about something grown, like the coffee bean, uh, plant, the pepper, the spices. And, you know, inherently is survival mode for human beings before we became civilized. 
That's still questionable. Um, to taste, okay? <laughs> the taste concept. I mean, you were tasting something, and if it was bitter, bitter's bad. Yep. You're not going to yep. eat that. You know, something sweet, of course, you're going to go ahead and jump to that. So the tasting mechanism, as it was, was a survival tool, a measure. But here we are, you know, obviously, time has gone by. We're more refined. So now what are we using with that, that tasteability? And we're assigning it to these different taste hues, you know, as it is. But, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I just got done watching a review before we started recording, before you got here. Um, and it was for a bottle that I have. I have two bottles downstairs. One I may not open. The other one I may open and try it. But I want to get a pulse on what it is. Not exactly trying to listen in on, oh, you know, what exactly people are seeing or tasting or, you know, experiencing. But more of, should I open it? You know, is it baseline? What am I getting? Am I going to mm-hmm. get oak? Am I going to get mm-hmm. sweet? I don't. This guy was like, well, it's like if you took uh, chopped up plantains and you put them in a bowl of uh, frosted flakes or something like that. And I'm like, you're going too far off just the spectrum. Just give me, you know, and the, and the baseline. And here. I know me and you know what frosted flakes are, but some people may not. I mean, it's. You know, it's so specific to that nature. Yeah. I mean, and I know they're trying to get that down to earth. Hey, these common things that we may or may not come across. Um, and it's funny, too, when you're talking about the things we do. Now, so when I go to do my empirical research and I clue you in, show you a picture of this, video of that, you know, I know you love that when you, like, there goes Ken in the middle of the night sending me something. Yeah, um, I do the same. Yeah, I know, you do. You're guilty of it. And your ash is doing quite well. I would, yeah, I would say the... the- Top portion of my pinky lens. And Lord knows you can handle more than that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, uh, I could do the whole pinky. You could do the whole of the knuckle, as far as the ash goes. But let's see. Oh. Right? But you know what? The one thing I will mention is left. my the, what I'm seeing so far is what people do with keeping the ash on and not ashing right away is they'll examine what the ash looks like, how it's burning, yep. the burn ring, uh, what color is the ash, and some people don't, they say it doesn't matter, whatever. But I like to see how it's burning as far as evenness. Uh, it, you can see on mine, you can see the, the uh-huh. ash of the actual binder. I'm seeing it's, it looks layered. Yeah. You know? And so there. that to me tells me that the construction was nice and and tight even though the draw's not tight it's not, i'm not yeah yanking on this thing to get a draw no no you're not either um I. but it, it was just and I, I i'm sure that explains the density of why it felt heavy in my hand maybe i don't know maybe it's just me crazy because i haven't had a cigar in a while but and this, on, uh in my end here as you can see and this is pilot air i bumped it right here on the boom the mic thing a little mm-hmm. earlier and you can see the the aftermath of that it's starting to flail at the end flare at the end uh, and I know a minute I did it, I'm like, okay, I think that might hurt or help you. I'm not sure how that's going. I don't know. I think, it, I think it's going to hurt because it, it seems like it's going outside the body of it. Yeah. And as more time goes by, it's going to be lighter. It's kind of separated from the, the whole ash. And you know what? I'm going to take a picture of mine and we'll post it on our, you can, yeah. People can see He's what taking that... a picture of his ash folks. Just, yes. Just for those who are listening. An ash photo. But anyway, oh, so see, Ken, it's kind of flickered a little bit, but still, still hanging on. I'm always afraid to ask, what's on your mind, pal? Oh gosh, what's on my mind? What isn't on my mind? Um, I'll tell you what. 
I um, I was thinking about this the other day, and you know, I think deeply about the things, especially you know, politics is a hot button topic. Everyone, it's like religion, you know. Right. It, 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 there's so much that's involved with that, and I try not to get into those entanglements. Uh, you know, especially politics. Politics for me is one of the toughest things to talk about because I have my own views on things. And I, oh, I desperately try to see the other side. You know, I try to be fair in everything we talk about. But sometimes you hear some things, you're like, wow. And a lot of things I hear are from the, from the politicians, the things they say. You're like, did, did you just hear what you said? Were you just looking for shock value? You're just trying to, so I kind of, you know, I hate to say I'm dismissive of it, but it is what it is. So, but I did think about the, you know, the inception of our politics. Oh, newsflash, everyone. Oh, I'm the asshole here. Oh. We'll see if uh, Ken makes it past the, the pinky mark, but yep, my ash is now on the, the nice carpeted floor. Wait, are you moving the goalpost on me? I think I win. Yeah, you might. I mean, I still have my ash, and you don't. Yeah, it's true. Whatever. One crisp dollar. I'll give you a... And I'll a, take it in gum. Oh, no problem. I was going to give you one of those uh, like those dollar like Sacagawea coins. Really? I'll take that. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> If I could find one. Depends on which one is mint, what, what mint it is. I'll tell you this. I, yeah. I remember there was a, and I, I know we're going off topic. Oh, well, we can. We can today. We don't have a guest. We but can do there we was want. a, I remember like for a while, vending machines were pumping those things out like it was. Kicking it back at you? Yeah. Or, like, yeah. I, would, I would put in like a, a couple dollars for like a whatever, and they would pump out the, the little gold coins back at you. And I'm like. Wow, I thought these, but I think they were like when they first came out into circulation, yep. so they, they were trying to like really push it as like common currency. Sure. I don't think it really panned well, out that well. It's like a $2 bill. It's kind of interesting you say that because I have a roll of them. I have a, a fistful, you know, thinking, hey, hang on to this. You know, if only I did the same thing with my Star Wars figures. Um, mm. But I didn't. So I started doing a little dive into it. There is some value to be had above and beyond, but it is a very specific minted serial number. I don't know what it is offhand, I, I, off the top of my head, but I did do a little research on it, and it was more or less because of an error. I think there was an error in the minting, the minting of that particular coin, that particular, I don't know how you use it for coins, what they call them, that, that line or that series. Yeah. The series. There was an error with it or something like that. That Increase the value because it's extremely rare because they stop production of it. Mm. And if you have, but then again, I looked at all mine. No, uh, what not was a, the not Susan B. Anthony coin? Well, how much was that worth? I can't remember. Ooh, right? Was that a? Is that a dollar too? I mean, I should know this. All right, I'm gonna Google you it. Go, you can goggle it. Go this way, folks, don't like blow us up in the comments. What do you mean you don't know what that? Idiots. She's the one that sewed that flag. Don't you know? No, wasn't that Betsy Betsy Ross? What'd you say? Susan B. Anthony? You're right, it was Betsy Ross. I watch what is in this drink? <laughs> I'm just excited. I guess I'm giddy because I actually won the Ash contest and everything was against it. That's way, it. You know? Because you bumped it on the I, I was watching and I was like looking at yours, I'm like, God, his is flowing. Now you perfect. It was white, it was solid, it's on the floor. And uh, you took a glad you took a picture of it to prove that it actually yeah, happened. Yeah, moments before the, Yeah. Uh, uh, Susan B. <laughs> Anthony was a dollar too. It was a dollar. Right. Okay. And you know now that I'm looking at it, uh it has the same border, round border. You know how the second wasn't it was, he, wasn't it almost like hexy? That's what I was saying. Of? I thought it was like a it was a 
a gon, like either a hexagonal or you know something along those lines. Uh, but back to what in my mind, and we'll come back to this, yeah. is, you know, I always talk about and think about the Constitution, and I think about, you know, when our country came together, the semblance of our country, and we're trying to pull it together. And if you read the history, and we talked about our Bill of Rights, and you're wondering, why do we have the Bill of Rights? It's just a repeat of the first ten amendments. And there was a strong debate on the floor where there was an understanding, like they said, yeah, first ten amendments as they are, that uh, it's understood. That is, you know, we the people, you know, everyone, freedom of speech, Second Amendment, all that. And there was like, well, you know what we need to do? An act of furtherance. We need to go ahead and make sure there's an attachment to the individual. That's why we had the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights are more to the individual, the person themselves, as opposed to the concept. You know, um, you know, not to get too deep into it, we can go on forever about that. But I thought about the First Amendment and what comes with that, freedom of speech. Would our forefathers and foremothers have ever dreamt that me and you, people just like me and you, have a voice, a free speech that could be heard throughout the world? And this is case in point. Yes. I mean, we, if I recall, we are all over the globe. Yes. With with this podcast right now. So uh, if you're listening, thank you. Thank you. Yes. You know, that ability in itself. Um, you know, when you do that deep think, you're like, I know darn well. And that's the term amendment. The way the Constitution was built is to be amended because they knew darn well it wasn't going to be an ironclad document because they didn't know what to come. But they knew what they wanted. They knew that they wanted the freedoms. They just didn't know how the freedoms would, you know, uh, basically grow or how they would transpire. And when I think about it, it is so fascinating to me in the sense that those were geniuses that put that together not knowing what to expect, but however, created a foundation for it to happen, for it to move that way, the paradigm shifts and all the things that come with it. And the other thing, too, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of press. Interesting, and this is one of the biggest hot-button topics, is the Second Amendment. And my firm belief is this. They knew that if you wanted to keep the First Amendment, you better damn well have the Second Amendment. I think that's a hell of a point. Yeah? I think it's a hell of a point. Uh, and I, I don't want to get too deep in that. I can go on and on about that. Mm-hmm. But the thing, the way the, the way the Second Amendment is constructed, it has both the pro and the con in there completely. Both sides are polarized because of the first paragraph that comes into it. I mean, if you read it through, it speaks to both sides of the argument, which is incredible in itself. But obviously, it's the conflict we have to this day. But I don't have to go deep into that. I don't want, I mean, yes, what was on my mind? I'm always afraid to ask. <laughs> and. Here's to you. Yeah. Freedom. We should smoke the, the Rocky Patel Freedoms and have a freedom episode. We should. We should. You know, I'm, I'm entering the second third on this, and I know it's almost, like you said, leading the witness a little bit, but yep. I am starting to pick up citrus a little bit. See, now. It's like lemony. It's funny you said that. I would say that, but I'm going to say this. It's from this. Oh, probably because of. I'm going to say that the, whis- the whiskey actually is now influencing what you're thinking from the cigar. Mm. Now, do, I mean, actually, we are at the pop-off point. Yeah, we are. And it's really funny because with the light hue, I can't look down and it's not it's yeah, you hard can't, to... you can't look at it from the side. It is. It's uh, very, very like in color. 
I mean, I do wonder, I mean, not that... But again, it marries well with this. Like, I'm, I'm retrohaling my cigar quite often because it's so light. It doesn't have that, that bold burn, if you would, when you retrohale yeah. at the nose. But uh, I'm doing a little bit of both to try to retrohale the cigar, take a sip of the whiskey, marry the two a little bit, and it's... Uh, well, I think, too, very interesting at this point, because I know you did give me a little bit of a hint of what we we're going to smoke. Yeah. But I had no idea as far as the pairing goes. So we came in blind with the cigar and blind with the whiskey. I mean, like, the, it was improbable almost. But we brought them together. Yeah, this is a good choice. Yeah, good choice. I don't... I am shocked. Only because I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. By the way, I still have my ash, folks. Just anybody's keeping score at home. <sighs> Spoken like a true ash hole. Bad winner, right? Terrible winner. Hey... I got a uh, news, I guess, new release that I'm excited to try. And oh, oh, you got a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's okay. a little bit of that. The boom, boom that fell down. Um, you think if you only hung on. The, yeah, right. Jack Daniels just came out with two bottles. Okay. First time that they said they have came out with a permanent release, uh, which is part of their premium selection. Um, it's, there's one called the Jack Daniels Bonded and the Jack Daniels Triple Mesh. Both are bottled in bond. The Jack Daniels Bonded, from what I understand so far, is essentially their normal number seven, but bottled in bond, so it's aged a little longer. Okay. Uh, the Triple Mesh has a different bill, uh, higher malted barley, I believe, on it. Um, but the company is, uh, yeah, is their... So you have that? You have those? I, I don't have them in hand, but I, I'm waiting to see them in stores. See, that's for me, because like, I don't know what, a long time ago, now Jack Daniels, Southern Comforts, it, it kind of turned me off. I mean, this is, you know, the one you're talking about, their, their mainstay. But it doesn't mean it shuts me off completely to something that, like, I enjoyed Gentleman Jack. Yeah. I mean, that was, I like me and you had that with a general. cigar, I think. Yeah. That was me and you. Um. But I was like, okay, here's a, you know, it's like with the different ones that are out there, uh, once we're starting to learn that you have these top-end bottles that are from these yeah. distilleries, the same distilleries that put out their, you know, what they're known for at our level. So I would be interested in that, too. I so mean, you, what I had is Jack had came out with one a couple of years ago called the Sinatra. And my father-in-law said, if you see it, buy sounds, it. Sounds famous. Bring it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a little, it's a thing. Yeah. Something to do with the singer from back. In, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, huh. But we had it, and we weren't super impressed. And for the the price on it, it was like a hundred and thirty dollar bottle of Jack Sinatra. Wasn't uber impressed. These two, MSRP are thirty bucks a bottle. And so <clears throat> my mind is now connecting the dots. Is about four years ago ish is when the uncle nearest came out which we're gonna get that into that probably in the next episode okay but essentially it's uh the guy who taught jack how to distill type of deal and so i think that jack folks wanted to make a similar premium product to kind of match that to say we're gonna go back to distilling the way we used to the way that we were taught kind of uh, with the bottled and bond and the, the filtration system and all that. Uh, 
So that's what I'm looking forward to trying. Um, like I said, for 30 bucks a bottle, I think it's worth a try. Oh, come on. Yeah, you're right about that. I'll, I'll oh, buy yeah, both yeah, of them and yeah. say, let's do both in one episode just to try them both at sure. once. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I mean, the thing is, we're, we're dabbling in you know, kind of our bandwidth. We try to stay in that. This one was a gift, the uh, Adazaki, and I do believe it retails around $60, this one. Oh, you know what? I think I was there when you received that as a gift. Okay, okay, you were, you were. You know, yeah. uh, my good okay. friends went ahead and they put that together. A couple of them, I guess, you know, yeah, maybe it was tax season and decided, hey, Ken's yeah. kind of a good guy. He let's, he might like this. Yeah, let's spend some coin. Yeah, on let's that spend guy. some Ken. You know, and then we don't have to hear from him for another year, maybe. And uh, no, I got some good friends of mine that actually do put this together. Um, I do actually want to um, give a shout out. Uh, to uh, a friend of mine, and I was telling Matt about him. His name is Scott. He has a podcast. Hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. And he does a podcast, and it's kind of in line with what we do. Obviously, we're Cigar Social. We're whiskey, and we are cigars. He's music. He's all about music. And he, me and him, had the chance last week before he went on, and I shared a cigar with him. I brought him a Cohiba, and we were drinking. He had some whiskey there, and we sat there, and I'm just basically kind of like going back and forth. Just a good friend. He said, hey, I got, you know, half hour to talk to you before we I go on. And he goes on for a long time. He does long podcasts and like, four hours. Wow. You know, I, uh, he's a, yeah, he's a machine. Him and his friend. It sounds like his friend comes in. He either, friend is there, or he pipes him in through Zoom or whatever it may be. But, uh, like I said, he's a big music fan. And it's a great podcast. He did give a shout-out to us, and I want to give a shout-out back to him. By I'm looking it up for me, for you folks right now. Oh, yeah, what was that called? You sent me that. Yeah, I, I want to say it is his podcast. If I get this right, it's Pleasure Be Forbiddenness. So it would be the word pleasure, be the letter, then four. And the number. Then, yeah, the number, and then bidness, so B-I-D-N-E-S-S. And that's what he has. Uh, so, yeah, pleasure be forbidden. So, uh, when you listen, you talk to him, and you could just, you know, feel it. You know, once again, we, we talked about that First Amendment and stuff like that. And he gets excited, and he really is into it. And he's brought on and talked to a variety of different artists. And uh, you just go back and listen. They've been doing it now for a couple of years. I think this is their second year. So, uh, once again, you know, I want to have him on. I know you would like to, too. Maybe we should do a little collab yeah, episode. We should, because now we have, you know, what's the other thing that comes with whiskey, cigars? Music. Yeah. So it only makes sense. So uh just want to let him know about that and let the rest of the world know that that's out there, too, for you to listen for your, your podcast. For your, for your eargasms. And, wow. Yeah. Hey, I, got a, I got a fun question for you. Go. So this kind of falls in line with the hot dog being a sandwich question. Is cereal a soup? If so, why? If not, why not? Okay. <laughs> here, here is what, no, it's not. Oh. If you look at when we talk about whiskeys, bourbons, and scotches, they use the term cereal quite a bit. And the they ref- do. Oh, they do. You know, they talk about the cereal grain. Barley, oat, whatever it may be. Uh, so I think what you're trying to say is you assume cereal becomes something like soup when you add milk. 
Is that the assumption I'm making? The most simplistic, uh, you know, definition of uh, ingredients in a watery, soupy, soupy. Ah, okay. So now uh, we got to shift our paradigm. So if I have a box of cereal with no content of liquid, is it still cereal? Yeah. Okay. It's not soup. Nothing on the box is add milk. Okay. When is soup soup? What makes it soup? When you combine a solid and a liquid so the liquid, to a bowl. So the liquid content. Yeah. Okay. So I will say your cereal stands alone and you just have an add milk. Soup can only be soup when you add liquid. It's true. There's, I mean, this was an easy one. You basically served me a cookie. They're distinctly different. You, right. did, you dropped a pitch right in front of me. All right. Follow up. <laughs> All right. Here we go, smart how guy. You, how do you feel about the folks who put water in their cereal instead of milk? I don't know about that. That is actually... I, how I feel about them? Um, I don't know, but I it's do... Like people who put, like, ketchup on a steak. Oh, I know, it makes it Ooh, cringe a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you're right, water on the cereal. So here's the issue, what I believe. Now, like sugar, if you get sugar on your hands, okay, immediately you take water to it. And water, what it does is it breaks up the sugar molecule, separates it, you know, and you're cleaned off. I think the fat content that is in milk maintains that sugar content. Ooh. You know, uh... It only makes sense. It kind of like enhances it. And I think when you add water to it, it diminishes it. So maybe you don't like a, maybe you don't like a full bore cereal. It's too strong for you. Let's water it down. That's the term. Uh, so there definitely is going to be a different flavor. It is going to be I'll a different come. flavor. Yeah. Right. Now, folks out there who are health conscious and they'll yeah. be like, oh, I'm going to put water in it, but I don't even hear, you know, cereal. And, and we just, yeah, we're probably offended. Like, I'm that person. And they're like, that's it. I'm Two done. out of four listeners are gone. We got four now. Yeah, 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 we have four. Oh, progress. <laughs> Gosh. Anyway, you give some fun facts. Wow, fun questions at least. So yeah. I was reading a little bit up on the, you know, Ken, what are you doing with your time? It's probably the big question. Again, uh, another question I don't want to ask. So I started looking at barley, okay? You know, I was just having some fun. Yeah. And uh, You're just looking at barley having fun? Yeah, we're reading about it. Um, and you know, why, you know, what are the, what is the content of bar, you know, exactly. Cause I mean, when you're talking about, and it's connection with malting, you know, I was never really, you know, what does malted mean? So in the very vernacular term reading this, from what I understand, and I know I'm missing some key components. So barley, apparently the sheathing, the husk on it is almost like, like Kevlar to oh. the content of it. So you have to get to it. And inside of it is the endospore. And the uh, the starch, so the embryo and the starch content. You know, this is what's going to grow when it, you know, as it's planted. So to get to that, the malting process does not want it to thrive too much. It wants it brings it to a point because it wants it wants to enact the enzymes that are in it. And by doing that, you need to take starch and make it into a sugar to create the alcohol. So, like I said, I'm giving you a very crash course on this, and I'm probably missing it some key components, but that's clearly how it is. You have to get in there and get into the, the nomenclature of the barley. Big word alert. Yeah, you know, moving parts. And in there, that's how they do it. And they do it in such a succinct way that they're able to not let it do full flourish and become you know, the, bar, the barley that we know, but to get that alcohol content, it has to be severely uh, 
scrutinized and the timeliness of it. So I'm sorry, I haven't finished reading up on it, but it's kind of fascinating how uh, we get to the point. And that term malting, it just seems to be thrown around all the time and everybody seems to understand it. It does. You yeah. know, and I, I never really did. Yeah. Uh, when we use that term malt, I mean, when I think malt, I'm thinking of like a shake. Yeah, 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 that old-fashioned yeah, you know, malt and yeah. shake. And that's another one. What's the difference between a malt and a shake? Or you and I would go to like a, an old-fashioned yeah. shop with an E. Yeah, and a guy would say, hey, soda jerk. Can I uh, get a malted shake, and then we would just get two straws, and then yeah, and then we go to the sock hop. <laughs> <laughs> I always come out with one shoe after those damn things. I never get a full pair back. Uh, uh, sock hop. That's stuff. Yeah, I haven't done those in weeks. Okay. I got a uh, do donor myth. Mm-hmm. Myth. Ooh. The myth is that Cuban Good. cigars are the best in the world. If you're asking, I would say maybe a Davidoff, a Davidoff or a Zeno Davidoff, he would probably agree because I think he categorized Cuba as the largest and best natural humidor. And everything that is in sync with that island is what creates the best outcome. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's an argument for that. Um, for me personally... You know, I'm going to say this, and I know you don't hear this that often from me. I don't know. Yeah, so what I can gather is that it is a truly a matter of opinion. Mm-hmm. Like essentially what you're alluding to is yeah. when it comes to flavor, um, if you love Cuban cigars, you're probably going to think they're the best. Uh, the only true measure of a cigar's quality is the construction and the consistency. Uh, in both those categories, cigars, uh, Cuban cigars fail way too often no kidding even though they're the conditions for growing tobacco there and you know the Everything history behind up. it sure sure is there um so the myth if you were to look at it from that aspect is pretty much false mm-hmm. especially since cuba cigar makers set up shop in other countries after the castro revolution which resulted in other countries providing a more consistent and premium product that has been proven to be superior uh, case in point, Cigar Aficionado does their Cigar of the Year right every year. Okay, They rate Cubans along with everybody else's cigars. And yet, every year, uh, uh, a, a Cuban cigar has only been rated number one three times since they started rating cigars in 2004. So, now here we go again, politics. Is that... The rating that we're talking about. I, you know, I don't want to be that guy today. It's opinion-based. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know we're talking yeah. about, you know, during that embargo. And it's, it's funny how it keeps bringing us back to that embargo concept. Because I don't think me and you would be talking about Cuba if it weren't for cigars. You know, unfo- true. unfortunately. I mean, just, just in our own little worlds. Uh, you know, when the embargo happened and, uh, you, know, you know, and clearly because, you know, Cuba went to the, the communist regime. I mean, they're, they're, you know, their economy suffered. Like you wouldn't believe it's, and because one of their major exports was this tobacco product. Um, and when you had, like you said, you did say it again, and it, it makes sense. These either they were ousted, or they just said, "Hey, we're cutting bait, we're leaving, yeah. and we're going to another country." Well, from a business aspect, yeah. if you can't, yeah, produce and manufacture product that could be sold elsewhere, mm-hmm. you need to go elsewhere so you can then perform that. That, that operation because you know, a lot of the families, the Placencia family, the yeah. 
you know, all of these old school, uh, original Cuban cigar makers are now, now a lot of factories still remain in Cuba, like the Davidoffs, uh, yeah. uh the, you know. Is Davidoff, is it out there? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, a lot of the companies have two shops, you know, let's say, for example, and I don't know if this is a completely accurate, but just for an example, you know, Arturo Fuente or Macanudo or CAO, they'll have a factory in Nicaragua or Honduras, Honduras, but then they'll also have a factory in Cuba, so they can then sell to the Cuba sure. folks, but then and have their Cuban line. Uh huh. But the essentially the same product, but not so much the same product because you're using tobacco from Nicaragua instead of Cuba. Climate is different. Right. Soil is different. Uh, even the farmers who farm it and, and grow it, it's, uh, they use different methods. See, remember when we had Don Rafa on and my, my caveman way of asking the question I was trying to get out. I knew what I wanted to say, but I really didn't impart it that well. Uh, when I was asking about you know climate and stuff like that, and he, 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 he was like, it, it, once again, it depends because you know, the climate, the soil, uh, you know, obviously the, the temperature, the, the rain, and it is at the whim of that. I mean, if the, the weather conditions can go ahead and, you know, it's so fragile, you don't really think about that, and you either can damage a crop or the crop comes out different. Now, you know, what I've really liked, and this is just, in, you know, my own little world, I do like a Nicaraguan Puro. I do like I do. the Nicaraguan across the board, the wrapper. The, the filler and the binder, all from Nicaragua, has served me well as far as my taste. I yep. like that. But I've had the other ones with the mixture. And then I think that's that mad scientist term I was using with Eric Bay, who likes to go ahead and try and match and try to get the greatest effect out of the, you know, the, the greatest good, which is also fascinating in its own right. I can honestly say that I've had Cuban cigars from four major manufacturers. Mm-hmm. I've had a Pargus. Uh, you know, a Fuente, uh, a Cohiba. What was the other one? Oh, and a, and a Romeo. Okay. The Cohiba, and I don't know if it was because it was aged in my father-in-law's uh, humidor for, you know, God knows, I mean, it had plume on it. Like, it was... Okay. Like, prestige, perfect conditions to, to light it up. But, uh, <clears throat> I, I, for the other, I, I haven't been swayed to say oh this is the best i've ever had it was really good especially since we were drinking really good whiskey with it we we're having a really good night <clears throat> is it the best in the world again it's opinion based but as to, to put that stamp on it to say best in the world i would say the myth is false just because it is it is up to the consumer it is up to who's smoking it to say what's what's best for them I think in my deeper thought times, I think I've actually kind of waved a light flag, and I don't think I'm ever going to find the best. Because there are so many out there. I mean, it's like when you open one door and two more doors are there to open, yeah, and they go out into a courtyard with a series of more doors. And I think that's when it comes to the involvement we're having. And I think the thing that I can actually you know, tether to is, well, I'm looking for a good cigar with a good brown liquor. and I think I can go ahead and manage that. I think somewhere down the line, it'll be like, okay, I found this, we've gone on, and I'm going to always remember and come back to it. And I think that's going to take a lot of research, which is great. But 
uh, when it comes to yeah, indiv- I'm all that yeah, 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 of course, yeah, you yeah. know me. I'm all Mr. Empirical Evidence, and uh, I don't think I will ever find the best because I don't know if I mean, would you ever in a lifetime, based on what we're seeing and what we're knowing about, you know, what's out there, yeah. the availability, uh, and it's all about reputation, of course, and we can only go so far. And I think that's true with whiskeys, wines, probably even, yeah. you know, uh, coffees, you know, so I don't know what the best would be. Uh, I, I don't think I can, I'm not going to, my mind's cluttered enough. This carnival of horrors called my mind, it's got enough going on there. Yeah. You know, especially like I said, we should have signed the extraterrestrial alien accord decades ago. Should have. We should have. Right and, and now we're paying for it. Clearly. So... Thoughts of the last third. You're entering your last third. I'm a little further than you because apparently I suck. Oh, look! I just ashed mine. But I can do anything I want because I win. You, oh, yeah. I can Whatever. ash it. I can I'm ash not it. Not going to hear the end of this. You at s- least until the end of the day. You started this. It's like okay, I'm in. So would you smoke this cigar again? This is the archetype. Yes. Dream state. Uh, absolutely. For everything that you said, because it's a different cigar. It's light. I could see a place and a time in my life that I, you know, on a daily event, I'm like, I could do this. The sun's setting. Let's kick back. Let's yep. enjoy this. <clears throat> or, like you said earlier in the day, me, or it doesn't have to be earlier in the day, but the coffee, the coffee mixed this with would that. Be, that. That is where I would go with is I, with a brown liquor or with, with this Japanese whiskey, it goes well because it is a mild and mild, it marries well. I don't get it. I, I'm, I, didn't expect this outcome. You know, but I would say, would I, would I smoke this again? Probably only with a coffee. Interesting. I don't think I would say, hey, let's go out back and let's burn one. I got a good bottle. I think there's other cigars for that. I think this cigar is more of a, almost like a, like a light, like a Macanudo type of cafe, like a, more of a, a morning burn, relaxing, maybe on vacation um, this is a long wrapper too, right? Or I'm sorry, long long filler. It yes, is long filler. Long okay. filler. Um, but yeah, I I would say yes, but only when when the time is right. Um, other than that, if I wasn't the type to have a cigar with a coffee, probably I wouldn't buy it sure. again. I wouldn't. I think uh, you know we've come across a number of smokers. This would probably someone we know would not be in their wheelhouse. It's not strong enough for them. Uh, for me. Um, I think it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's a nice. I, I definitely would do this again. For sure. like somebody, our, somebody said, "Here, you want to smoke this? Is what we have?" I'm sure I would do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say no. no. If right. somebody handed it to me, yeah, would I purchase it again? Only if I was planning on. <clears throat> oh, I see. Yeah. So you wouldn't have it on hand. I wouldn't have it. I, I probably wouldn't put it back in my humidor unless I was planning on having, like, a day where I'm gonna have a morning cigar and, you know, maybe an afternoon cigar and, you know, this will well, be my morning cigar. This kind of thing is interesting because it's made me, I don't even think I would even be this guy, uh, but it's a good thing. When I do go through my humidor, now I kind of, I do kind of match. Yep. I do match my, you know, and it, you, you learn about them. So my lighter ones are going to be, you know, kind of like nestled. I have with a good the other. app for you where you can check the strength. Because, like, on mine, I have a three-shelf humidor. Top shelf is limited edition, yearly releases. Mm-hmm. Only go up there when I'm feeling saucy. Sure. Middle shelf is actually a bunch of pairs. So I have them paired up. So I got two of each. So when somebody comes over or a next episode, I have two at hand. And then the bottom shelf is my singles. 
Okay. Where I'll grab like if I'm if I have a night where you know I'm gonna step out and have a, a cigar, I'll go to the bottom shelf. They're not necessarily mean like they're the the lower priced ones. There's some expensive ones, but they're the singles that I can just grab from and, and pull and, and smoke on my own. See, mine's kind of uh, you've seen the picture of mine, but mine is how it's you know crafted. You've got the kind of like a cedar shelves slats. So my top one, I have that, and also in the middle, I have a drawer. That's with the uh, a little Bovida pack, or yeah, uh, little, well, you got a little spongy. No, I've actually I've got one of the the discs. Got it. And also, what comes with that when I have is actually a uh, a plastic uh, kind of like a plastic compartment. Mm-hmm. It looks like a little plug. You put it. You put a sponge in there, and you put a few drops, and then you put that on the bottom. So I literally have a drawer I can have within there, and then there's another bottom slat, all these cedar, and you can pull them out. And literally at the very bottom, I can put my boxes. If I want to, it can hold 250. <clears throat> That's uh, awesome. I know, and it. Uh, also, you have a Coolador, right? Yes, yes. So it's been hovering at the 68 degree, 70 degree. Yep. Uh, but it's been steady at the 71 percent humidity. It's That's where you want to be. You want to be 70, 70, but yeah. you go up and down a couple, you're not going to hurt anything. No, yeah, I mean, it's like you're not going to know the difference between a. We go out 70 degrees versus 72 degrees. You're not going to know. No. And I mean, obviously, we're talking about cigars. That's a little different. But I haven't seen, I mean, the, definitely the quality of it when I get out, when you pull it, you're like, okay, this is good. I mean, I had some dry ones before. Yeah. Put them in there, and they're like, oh, they're back to life. Mm-hmm. And that is, they always say invest in a good humidor, and they're not wrong. No. Because, everything we said. So, uh, back at you. So, yeah, that'll, that'll take us to our rating. The, the whiskey itself, I'll start there. For Japanese whiskey, this is damn good. I would say seven point six. Seven point six. Okay. I uh, everything you guys noted with that. I mean, I'll go this far. If we can do this, I will go a seven point five with the whiskey. I'll go a hmm, seven point eight with the cigar. Okay. And, you know, do we meld those? I mean, now, now, is there a way we can rate? I mean, the simple way to rate them together is do you take the average of the two? But I don't think that's the case here. I don't think that measure is accurate. Uh, I mean, singly, we give the ratings, but I think there's a rating, the way the two seem, the way they complemented each other was too obvious today. We talked about the honey. When you were talking about the lemon, uh, it, there was, for the first time, this is probably for me the first time I could say or identify with a commingling of the tastes. I would say you're uh, spot on. If we had a strong bourbon or a high octane something or other, I would probably rate the cigar lower. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm taking it to, I mean, if they stood alone, I'll give those ratings. The rating that I would give them, them together is an eight. If you can, if, if we, you know, obviously kind of, Go to Atlanta, pretend. Together, they enhance each other. I would have to say, I mean, I would put my vote in for, right now, the best pairing, since we really dissected this, and there's just some things we didn't see that would happen. These themes have come out in this podcast about the things you tasted. Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with it, too, is because the cigar is very good. It's not overpowering. Likewise, with the whiskey, it allowed the flavors to basically see how they melt. So, and that's the best way that I can describe it. I would, if you told me that's what I was going to say prior to that, I had no. 
but I thought I brought this. I'm like, oh boy, I hope this. I hope this is good. Yeah, you know. But it turned out to be. I gave the whiskey a seven six. Okay. Standalone, I would give the cigar six point nine. Okay. Six point nine, just under. And and is that because of the the body? Is that because that's not really your weapon of choice, or? I mean, yeah. You know what you what you gravitate uh, for? There's not a lot of there's not a lot of flavors. I feel like true. It's very, it's good, but it's flat. There's it's not it's not wowing me. It's a good cigar. It's well constructed, <clears throat> but it's not not wowing me. And mm-hmm. uh, I'll just go through real quick. Sure. Um, you know, a, in my scale, a, a six point zero to a six point nine is decent. You know, a, a seven point zero to a seven point nine is is good. The ten obviously is the, yeah, the giant yeah, golden yeah. unicorn, which yeah. may never be seen. But you know, uh, you know, for last episode, I think I gave that cigar a nine point zero, and that's like you know some of the best, one of the best cigars that I've I've had. So was that that was the, the Warwich, the Dark Warwich? That yeah, we were high end on that. You basically but that was that's my wheelhouse. I love something with full yeah. body, full flavor, and then boom, you get the full strength where you're smoking it, and you're like, wow, this is this is good. You know, uh, it was robust. Yeah, I and mean, to, to say that with with this cigar, I think the Churchill size and sizes of the cigars alter the flavor and alter the experience as well. I would say if this was in a robusto size or okay. even a even a Toro, it might be a different it might be a different outcome. Different outcome. Well, I mean, the you, you can attest to this. I mean, when people are rating and tasting their cigars. It's generally the first third to maybe pushing the halfway through, and then it's over. Uh, you know, after the halfway point, for sure, you get more of that concentration of the tar and less yep. taste. Well, I mean, not necessarily true. I, I, I mean, yeah, for the most part, absolutely. Yeah. There was a, a, hand, a couple of cigars that I've had. One stands out to me the most, which was the Alec Bradley Black Market, the, just the basic black market. I had that one time with my father-in-law, and the first third, second third, mild and smooth. Or no, I'm sorry. First and second, third was like boom, punchy, little sure. punchy, uh-huh. and then it mellowed out on the last third. Where usually it's the opposite effect, where where you're getting towards the last third and it starts to get punchy. Yeah, yeah, to, a little bit, a little bit harsh, yeah. harsh. So it kind of it. I looked at him like, wow, this is. I'm getting down to the label, and it's almost getting smoother. It's almost getting. Well, you had better. a lot to drink that day. I did. I did. That was when it was dark. The fire pit was going. Blah. blah. But yeah. Anyway, so. Semantics. You didn't control for those variables. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're I'm coming down to the the label, the the band. Uh, we're gonna take these bands off here pretty soon. But since these were Churchill sizes, we're topping the hour mark. Um, that means this episode's down to a nub. Sure is. Sure is. Remember to hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. And until the next time we put smoke in the air, folks. Stay safe, stay smoky, and stay classy. We'll see you next time here at The Cigar Social. All right, folks. Take care. See you next time.
check it up here at, will you?